Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. And so tonight we're going to turn in our Bibles this, this evening, the book of Acts chapter 26. Uh, book of Acts chapter 26, if you join me there tonight. And as we uh, turn our attention once again to the Word of God, uh, in the last few weeks I've been doing a series of messages on the topic of evangelism. And my prayer, my goal, my hope is that every person here in this place would involve themselves in evangelism. And when I say evangelism, and when we talk about soul winning, you say, well, yeah, Pastor, uh, sometimes I show up on Saturday morning. Uh, That's great, and I'm glad you do, and we need that help, and we need that consistency every week to reach the lost. But if that's all we are doing, if that is the only effort that we are making in evangelism and winning souls for Jesus, then we are failing as a church, and we are failing as individual believers. And that's why I began to be challenged to, uh, to preach through a few of these messages uh, that God would challenge us and help us, and especially uh, me personally. I want to be a soul winner. I don't know about you. But when I get to heaven, man, the thing that is valuable is not how much money you made at the end of the year. It's not how many zeros are on your tax return. When you get to heaven, the thing that is going to impress God is how many people you brought with you. How many people are there because of a testimony that you gave or because of an encouragement or an invitation that you gave? That is what will really, truly matter in eternity. And as we're going to look tonight in book of Acts chapter 26, we're going to find a scripture here tonight uh, that it's going to show us a little bit about how the average believer can involve themselves in evangelism, oftentimes we make this to be a complicated process. We think in our minds, well, you know, I have to have a systematic understanding of theology before I'm going to talk to someone about Jesus. Or we think, uh, you know, uh, the, the pastor who preaches in the Bible every week, he's well equipped, but, you know, not me. I'm not going to be able to really talk to someone about Jesus. But what we find in this scripture tonight is something that is so simple and so basic that everybody here can do it, even children. Even children who have the most basic understanding of Jesus, they can do what we're going to talk about tonight. And that is conversation. Anybody here know how to, how to have a conversation? It is an art that is being lost in our generation. But this is a message I've titled, Cultivating Souls Through Conversation. Acts chapter 26, beginning with verse 17. This is God as he speaks to the Apostle Paul uh, 
This is before he has gone on all of his great missionary journeys. And God gives him a mandate, a vision, a purpose of what he's about to go do with the rest of his life. And I pray that someone here would hear this message and apply it to their own lives. Let's read together. Acts 26, verse 17. God says, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well uh, to the, from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the precious blood of Jesus tonight. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather in your name. And I'm praying, God, that you would challenge every person, including me, God, that you would help us to be soul winners. God, give us this vision and this goal. God, that it would not just be some lofty ideal that maybe one day we'll get around to, but God, that we would implement, God, this this truth into our lives, even tonight and tomorrow morning as we live our lives. And I'm asking tonight, give us soul winners, give us disciple makers in this place tonight. We thank you for all that you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. amen. I want to talk for a few moments tonight about cultivation. Uh, if you were here on Sunday morning, I preached a message about uh, about winning the about uh, the harvest, about sowing and reaping, about the law of harvest, and uh, this is something that God has built into His kingdom. Uh, not only the kingdom, but I mean every part of your life. The reason that you are living the life that you have today is a direct result of decisions that you have made in the past, seeds that you have sown. And you are living today in the fruit of what has been cultivated from past decisions. And so if you look at your life and you've got things to complain about, well, don't blame other people, don't blame society, don't blame your parents. Many times you just look back to the seeds that you planted in weeks and months and years past, and that's why you're having a hard time today. But the same is also true about the future. The kind of life that you will be living in six months, in a year, or in five years from today, will be a direct result of the decisions that you are making today and tomorrow. And I want you to hear that tonight. If you want your life to improve, you can't just keep living the same way you've been living. If you want things to change, you can't just coast down the road. You hear what I'm saying tonight? If you want your life to have greater levels of fruitfulness and success and purpose in the kingdom of God, then something has to change. How is it that we can expect to keep doing the same things that we've been doing and expect different results? So tonight the call is, what kind of new seeds can I begin to plant? in order to experience different results. Tonight we're going to talk about planting seeds of evangelism. What we must realize tonight is that a soul, a soul that is one to the Lord Jesus Christ, someone who comes in to the kingdom, is adopted by God into his family and into a church environment, that that does not just happen automatically. 
Victories are not won automatically. The Revolutionary War was not won because a bunch of farmers just sat around and hoped it would happen. Right? The Civil War was not won by the Union Army just because they said, well, it might be a good idea to go fight against slavery. Now, there was blood that was shed. The Second World War was not won by people staying at home and sitting on their couches. It was won by young men of our country and other countries who fought against evil and gave their blood. If we are going to win souls, it's not going to happen just by hoping, just by wishing, just by saying, yeah, it's a good idea that souls could get saved. Are you hearing me tonight? It's going to take action. It's going to take labor. Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest because the souls are many, but the laborers are few. Great is the harvest, but the laborers are few. I wonder if there's anybody here that would hear the call to labor in the mission field. Tonight, I want to talk about the three stages of evangelism, and they are, uh, in the short form, CPR. All right? The C starts with cultivation. Cultivation means preparing the ground. If you're a farmer, you know that you, you can't just uh, drop seeds on the ground and have a harvest. There's got to be a preparation that takes place. And tonight, what that cultivation looks like is it looks like a lot of labor. Especially in the days that the Bible was written and Jesus was on the earth 2,000 years ago before power tools, before John Deere tractors, before there was any technology, they had an animal and they had a plow and a farmer. And Jesus said, you put your hands to the plow, you cannot look back. You know why that is? If you take your eyes or divert your attention off of the task that is at hand, you have risk of not only injuring yourself, but your animal. And the, the, no doubt the field would not be ready for the harvest. Cultivation takes work. Hours of labor, many times out in the scorching sun. Jesus gave a mission to the Apostle Paul. This is the account that he gave. That Jesus spoke to him and said that he would send him to the Gentiles. He would be an apostle to the non-Jewish world. And this is exactly what he said. He says, I will send you to open their eyes. Everybody say, open their eyes. Can I tell you, when it comes to spiritual realities, eyes are very seldom opened on their own. You might hear it from time to time. You might hear a miracle testimony of, you know, I was, I was uh, alone on my bed one day and uh, I heard a voice from heaven and there was a Bible near me and an angel saying and I opened my Bible to the exact scripture and I got saved. It happens from time to time. But many times, eyes are not opened like that. Chances are, when you got saved, it wasn't because of some magic miracle like that. It was because somebody began to cultivate your soul. Somebody began to pray for you. Somebody began to share scriptures with you. 
somebody began to step out and have awkward conversations about their own faith with you. Somebody was cultivating the ground of your heart. This is what God said. This is what Jesus said that he was going to send the Apostle Paul to go do. You, Paul, are going to open their eyes. This is not something that I'm going to do automatically. Of course, the Holy Spirit is involved every step of the moment, leading people, drawing them to salvation. But God chooses to use His people to open the eyes of the lost, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. Think about, for just a moment, the example of John the Baptist. It's interesting to me that God thought it fitting to send John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, to be born early, to enter ministry before Jesus. And the prophecy that John came to fulfill is in Isaiah 40, verse 3, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. You know what his ministry was? Cultivation. He was the one that was blazing the trail. He was the one that before Jesus even came on the scene and began his ministry, it was John the Baptist who began to preach. He was the weird one, man. The one who was dressed all funny and began to preach out in the, in the desert and began to set himself aside And he was the one who set things in motion before Jesus came on the scene. Now you think about that. That was God's idea to involve John the Baptist. Now what if John the Baptist was shy? What if John the Baptist was unsure of himself? Or if he did not feel equipped for the purpose? His ministry, beloved, was... Preparation. It was pre-evangelism. There is such a thing as pre-evangelism. And yes, I know, don't get, don't get super spiritual on me. I know that the Holy Spirit prepares us for salvation. I understand that the Spirit of God, long before any human activity gets involved, the Holy Spirit is knocking on the doors of our heart every step of the way. But what I'm saying tonight is that God has chosen simple people like you and me to begin to prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare the way. That's what we're doing on Saturdays when we go out and we knock on a door and we hand someone a flyer and we tell them, hey, God is real and Jesus can save you. Have you ever heard this gospel? Let me tell you about what he did in my life. All that is tonight is preparing the way, is blazing a trail. My mom used to live in Salem, Oregon, famous for being the last uh, exit point of the Oregon Trail. Say again, Oregon City, yes. So it was, uh, thank you. And so these are guys that were commissioned by Thomas Jefferson to cut across the the, the land that had been untamed. They left from uh, St. Louis, I think, right? St. Louis, Missouri. And they took a party. And how long did it take them? 
must have been five years, I think. Well, it took him a long time to cut across all of this, all of this uh, territory that no white man had ever seen before. And it was that Oregon Trail that opened the path to Western expansion. See, we're called to be pioneers. You don't have to, to be launched out from conference to be a pioneer, beloved. Every single one of you can prepare the way for the Lord. Can begin to cultivate a soul. What is the tools of our cultivation? Well, it's what we started with. It is conversation. See, as I mentioned, we are losing in our generation the skill of conversation. Do you know why? It's mostly because of this thing right here. It's because I'd rather text you than call you. It's because I'd rather post something on Instagram than call 10 people and tell them the good news. It's just faster. I'm just going to snap a picture of this awesome dinner that I had tonight. And by doing that, we are reducing the amount of conversations that we have on a daily basis. Conversation. The word conversation uh, comes from the Latin uh, root, con, of course, meaning uh, with. And the verse, the the second part, verse, comes from were, which means literally to turn or to bend. The word literally means to turn together with someone. Compare it to the word universe. Universe means that God turned from one thing into all things. He created the whole universe. And God created humanity with the special ability of conversation. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Answer this question in your mind. Is conversation a physical activity? Or a spiritual activity? Is the exchanging of words mere flesh? Or are we operating on a higher level of, of, of truth? I would argue tonight that there is very, very few things in this life more spiritual than having a conversation. Listen carefully tonight. Do you know why? Because it is only human beings who have this capability. Cats don't do it. Dogs. We, we know animals make noises and they do communicate on a certain level. But only human beings have the capability of having a conversation. You're not going to find two baboons discussing the orbit of the moon. You're not going to find two whales having a conversation about uh, what color the, the water was the other day. Are you hearing me tonight? It is only human beings who have this capability, this gift of using words, exchanging back and forth in conversation. Do you know why it is only human beings that have that capability? Because we are the only ones made in the image of God. All creatures have been made to reflect the glory of God, but only humanity is made in God's very 
image, part of that image, part of his stamp on your soul, part of the reason that you know that you are more than just an animal tonight is because you have the ability to have a conversation with someone. If you never have conversations, if all you do is post and tweet, then you are not much more than an animal. You're shouting into an echo chamber where no one shouts back or only insults are hurled at one another. But conversation is spiritual. And I want to tell you tonight, the plow that we use in cultivating a soul is a conversation. And if you have a hard time talking to people, you're going to have a hard time winning souls. Can we be real? If you say, well, pastor, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. Uh, I, don't want to, I don't want to look at people. I don't want people to look at me. I, I just rather stay in my house. It's going to be really hard for you to win a soul. But if you could say, listen, I'm not saying everyone here needs to be a type A personality. I'm not saying everyone here needs to be a preacher and stand up on Sunday morning. I'm just asking you this question. Are you willing to have a conversation with a lost soul? Because that's all it takes. That's all it takes. This is a generation where conversation is becoming more and more rare. Conversation, beloved. Words are the tools of ministry. Jesus, when he wanted to speak to a woman, when he wanted to save her desperately lost soul in John chapter 4, a woman of Samaria, we know her story, she had a reputation. And Jesus began to do what? To speak to her. He said to her, give me a drink. She began to speak to him. How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift. Jesus, what is he doing? He's simply sparking a conversation with someone. And that conversation leads to spiritual things as she begins to speak about the Jews and the Samaritans. And Jesus says about the water, that you drink of this water, you'll thirst no more. And then he begins to cut a little bit deeper where's your husband she says well actually see what happened was and jesus there's a door that opens right through conversation can i remind you tonight that god will open up doors when you will spark a conversation this is how we display the love of Jesus Christ. Donald Blosha, a Bible commentator, he says, we cannot make people open to the gospel, but we can help them to open up to us as people if we will show kindness, if we will live as, as Christ did. And I'm not talking about you know compromising truth. Jesus, he, he spent time with sinners, but he didn't enter into their sin. John Maxwell's famous for saying that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And true conversation comes from a place of I do care about you. 
When we go out to the streets and we minister on the streets and we preach the gospel in the streets, I've seen, I've seen street preachers, you know, kind of fly off the handle a little bit at people. They get a little overexcited. I've ha- happened to me a few times too. Preaching hellfire and brimstone. And, you know, sometimes people do need to hear about hellfire and brimstone. But I want to tell you tonight, there is nothing more powerful than when someone knows how much you care about them. The reason we're out on the street. I could be sitting at home tonight. The reason I'm out here is because I care about people. Right? I care because I don't want you to go to hell. And when people get that, it's a, it's a, it's a door that opens. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. There's a whole lot of clanging cymbals in the church today. You can turn on Christian television and see a lot of them. They're in it for the money. They're in it for the fame. If we're going to win souls, it's going to be because we actually care about people. We must also tonight use the miraculous as our plow. The power of a testimony. Can I tell you, let me see your hand if you're saved in this. You're on your way to heaven. Did you know that you have a testimony? If you're saved, then you have a testimony. You have a story of a miracle that has happened in your life. You know what that miracle was? You were on your way to hell and you deserved it. Now you're on your way to heaven. How did that happen? It was a miracle. You have a powerful story to tell. That is a plow that can cultivate the field of a lost soul. As we begin to cultivate, we can pray for people. I've seen God heal people even if they don't believe God. Even if they say that they're an atheist. Can I pray for you? Sure. Okay, whatever. And they get healed. Eyes get open. What just happened to me? Right? It's, it's, I've, I've seen that happen to people drunk at 10 p.m. And God begins to open a door. Say, what just happened to me? Well, let me just tell you what happened to you. There is a God, and Jesus Christ died so you can have salvation. So my question tonight, have you been cultivating any ground? Have you been using conversation to draw people to salvation. Let's talk about the P. We're going to move quickly tonight. C and then P. P stands for planting seeds. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the seed that can bring forth the fruit of salvation. As God begins to use our lives to prepare the ground, when the door becomes open, when an interest is perked, that's our opportunity to plant. Now, this is where it becomes critical that we know what we're talking about and not preaching false, gospel, false doctrine. Because uh, if we're not careful, we can preach some, some crazy stuff. And yes, God can use our crazy stuff sometimes, despite our, our lack. And even the newest convert can preach and people can get saved. But what I'm saying here tonight is we've got to understand the gospel before we can preach the gospel. This is not hard for you to understand tonight. You don't have to take a college course. The gospel is three words. God, man, salvation. 
God is holy, he's righteous, he's perfect, he's just, he is holy. Man, on the other side, on the other uh, side of the coin, we are corrupt, we are sinful, we are broken, and we're separated from God. And Jesus came to bring us back together at the cross. If you can understand that concept, then you can preach the gospel. It's the good news. God, the one and only God who is holy, made us in his image. We have sinned and cut ourselves off from him. Romans 3.23 In God's great love, God sent his son Jesus to come and rescue us from our enemies, including our own sins. This is good news. And that's what the word gospel means. If you can remember that, God, man, and salvation through Christ, then then you got it. Let me explain to you about how God is holy, man is broken, and Jesus came to fix that brokenness. Tonight, that's all you got to know. And if you have an open door, that's what you use to step in. If you can plow that, that field, this is the seed that you plant. And Jesus said this. He made a promise. He said, if I be lifted up, then I will draw all men unto me. Do you notice what he did not say? He didn't say, if the church is lifted up, I'll draw all men. If the preacher is lifted up, I'll draw all men. It's not about the church. It's not about the preacher. It's not about the address on the building. It's not about the flyer even. I have this awesome flyer. It's amazing. Look at this design. It's beautiful. That doesn't save anybody. It's a tool. It's information. But the gospel, the message that can save souls is this right here. It's the story. The good news. Finally tonight, let's talk about the R. Cultivating, planting, and reaping the harvest. Jesus said, John 4, 35, Do you not say there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. I'm a, uh, I'm a small business owner, and part of what I do is I help people with their computers. And whenever I do that, um, there, there's a part of my job that sometimes I fall behind on. Uh, to be honest, I'm a little bit of a procrastinator. You might have already discovered that. Um, but part of my job, if I'm going to get paid, what I have to do is after the job is finished, I have to create an invoice for people and I have to send it to them. And there have been many, many times that I just forgot to do that. There have been times that I help people over the phone and I say, yeah, no problem, I'll, you know, I'll send you an invoice. And then I forget. And it's happened. I can't even count the number of times that I've done that. And I'm thinking to myself, how many hundreds or thousands of dollars I've missed out on just because I didn't have the focus and the follow-through to type a few numbers and put in an email and ask someone to pay me. You know what that's called? That's called bringing in a harvest. If it's a farmer, the farmer spends all his time plowing the field putting the seed in the soil, watching it grow miraculously. And at the end of the season, there he is. He's looking out at his field, and it's full of wheat. Oh, it's a beautiful place. Until, guess what? The harvest. 
You know what he's got to do? He got to go get that stuff. That's a lot of work. It's not enough just to cultivate, just to plant. You've got to go get the harvest. God has done the heavy lifting, hasn't he? He has done already. Jesus Christ on the cross, he said it is finished. The sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. People repent and their hearts are changed miraculously. The only thing left is for the church to get out of bed and go out into the field and reap a harvest. Say, uh, you need a ride to church on Sunday? I'll pick you up. I'll be there, 9.30 a.m. so we can be on time for prayer at 10 a.m. How hard is that? I mean, compared to the, to the washing of nasty sins, how hard is it? I'll pick you up at 9.30. We are not doing some great service. You know, it's not like you're going to get a, 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 a jewel in your crown in heaven shaped like a taxi cab for driving people to church. We think we're doing some great service to God. Like God is, oh, you're so awesome for driving and picking someone up. God's already done the awesome stuff. The only thing left is to bring them in, man. Bring them in. God has awakened their conscience. God has begun the work. God has done all these things. And what's left is for a few people to labor. Labor. How do we do it? Especially when we're not talking about wheat in a field. We're talking about people. And sometimes people are not cooperative. Sometimes people give us problems. Sometimes people give us excuses. And we say to ourselves, well, if that's how it is helping people, I'm not going to do it. I'll just go to church all by myself. Yeah. Is that what Jesus did when it was time to save you? Sometimes it takes some thick skin, yes, to be involved in follow-up. Sometimes it takes some persistence. But can I tell you it's worth it? What, what, what else in this life do we have to do? Right? What else is going to, in heaven, is going to win you favor with God? Is your great work schedule going to be impressive to God? The goal tonight is winning souls. And I want to remind you, church, this last truth is that winning souls is the most exciting activity that you could ever be involved with. So I may have played some small role in bringing Israel to an outreach on a Saturday morning. Do you know how much joy it brings to my soul? To see him sitting there with a beautiful wife and children serving God and doing what's right. Even if I've only played the most small role in that, it was worth it. As I look out across this building tonight, I see people that I've had the opportunity. Mike Dawson. I got to give this guy a ride like six times a week. But you know what? God's changing him, isn't he? You're different than you were last year, weren't you? 
and the year before that. What's better than that? What's better than seeing God begin to transform people? Who could you point to tonight and see the life that is being changed? This is the joy of the harvest. Luke 15.10 Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels over one sinner who repents. One sinner. Just one. How can we treat it like it's a funeral? Welcome to the church. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Don't take my seat. What's wrong with us? We ought to be excited. We ought to get here early and pray that souls will be saved, added to the kingdom. We ought to be out in the parking lot with every person that passes by. Did you come here for church tonight? I saw this guy sitting in front of our church building when I got here tonight. He just rolled up in his truck. He's sitting there. I don't know what he's doing. I said, did you come for church tonight? He said, oh, no, 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 no. I gave him a flyer. You should come back. Because this reflects the joy of heaven. One soul who repents. Proverbs 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. Can I give you the opposite truth tonight? He who does not win souls. You can finish it in your own head. If he who wins souls is wise, then he who doesn't win souls is foolish. I don't know about you, but I want to reflect the heart of God. I want to remind you tonight that the only way this happens is through conversation, speaking to people, winning the lost, working in the harvest to bring people. And I want to challenge you, church, challenge you to pray, God, would you use my life to win a soul? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this evening as God begins to speak to us, help us tonight. God is such a faithful God. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people. Oh.